You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. This is episode 121. My guest is Jeff Greenfield, an entrepreneur with three decades of strategy, growth, and marketing experience, building and leading teams with an emphasis on innovative marketing enabled by new technology. He is the CEO and founder of Provalytics, an ad measurement tool that uses agile impact modeling. He also sits on the Marketing Advisory Council of Suffolk University Sawyer Business School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Prior to Provalytics, he founded several companies. The last one was called C3 Metrics, a leading multi-touch attribution platform with clients including JP Morgan, US Bank, Hertz, Nestle, Peapod, Carhartt, Edward Jones, and Fender. Jeff's technical innovations include real-time digital viewability measurement, integrated linear and OTT television measurement, and the creation of a cookie-less identifier. Jeff developed and led all GTM strategies, including conferences, This Is Attribution podcast, an attribution certification program, and grew the team to 55 with 171% year-on-year growth leading to being named to Deloitte's 2018 Technology Fast 500. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Art. Uh, Thank you for having me today. Excited to be here. Yes, me too. So that was a long introduction. (laughs) (laughs) It sure was. (laughs) But what I didn't say in your introduction is that you started your career as a magician. That's right. Chiropractor, right? <laughs> turn entrepreneur. So tell yes. us a little bit about your journey. Well, I'll start with the magic because it just seems so kind of out there. Uh, you know, every kid usually is fascinated by magic at some point. Uh, I just, I just never let it go. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it, it just was, it was fascinating to me. And as I got older, I started to realize that there's a lot of lessons there in terms of, especially when it comes to presentation, which is incredibly important. Uh, when you're running a business and and starting a new company. Uh, So I did magic. My dream was always to perform at this uh, famous club in Hollywood, which was called the Magic Castle. Uh, And so I eventually made my way to California and actually work there. So it it was the type of thing. It was a lot of fun for me. And I did it all throughout college and all throughout grad school. Uh, But for me, I was really fascinated by the sciences and Mm -hmm. uh, studied biochemistry I had an internship at the National Institutes of Health and a hematology lab, but because of using my hands, because it was mainly close-up magic, uh, being a chiropractor seemed to make the most sense because it is an art and it's a science and you use your hands. So that's where I went to grad school. I went to chiropractic college and opened up a practice and, and I thought that was it for me. You know, I thought this is it. I'm very excited. I still did a little magic. For kids that would come in and friends and 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 for my own daughter uh and and, and i was all set and then in the mid 90s i got involved in a car accident 
and crushed a nerve in my arm and wasn't able to take care of patients anymore. So I really didn't know what to do. I was kind of depressed. Uh, You know, they said I had to go through some sort of surgery uh, and I hired other doctors to work for me and realized that I really didn't like that. I liked being like doing stuff. I didn't like the management aspect of it. It wasn't fun for me. Now, granted, Mm -hmm. I was a lot younger. uh, And so I decided to get out of that and didn't know what I wanted to do. So I said, told my wife I was going to go on the road for a couple of years doing magic. So now it's like 97 and, you know, I needed a website, hired a company to make a website. I ended up having to do it myself because they weren't able to do it. But Mm -hmm. what that did is it taught me the tools that I needed to be able to update it on a regular basis. So that when I was on the road during the week, every night I would be able to update the website. And that led to a consulting practice uh, where I was able to get off the road and, and build websites, do SEO. I started another company to automate the process of SEO. And then I'm learning more and more about digital. So now we're in the early 2000s and made my way into more advanced stuff. And then got to this point where measurement became really important as clients would start to invest dollars. They would want to be able to know, hey, how do I scale things? What's actually working? What's not working? And what we found out is that a lot of the stuff that people really believed in wasn't working as well as they actually thought it was. And that led to the development of C3 metrics. Now, back in those days, things were really different because everything was what we call deterministic. You could you could connect the dots 100% in the digital world. Uh, so I scaled that company exited there in 2019 and thought, I'm never going to go back to measurement. I'm done with this. And at 55, I actually took my first job. I'd never, ever worked for anyone else. Wow. And, and, and my <laughs> wife said, and, and, I, and, and it was a friend of mine's company, a very large company. And, and we talked almost weekly for about six months as he tried to convince me to come on board and build out a new division. And And I was like, I really don't know. My wife said, why don't you just give it a try? You know, you've always built teams. You've never been part of one. So I did it for about a year, year and a half, and then decided it wasn't for me. I needed to get (laughs) back out there. And then came back out and decided to uh, do what I said I wasn't going to do, go back into measurement because the challenges that marketers are facing these days are so much greater than they were when I started C3 metrics in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I saw an opportunity. We're at this point of entrepreneurs. We always love disruption. There's disruption in the marketplace. So I said about a little over a year ago, decided to jump back in and started start all over again. <laughs> right. So that's my journey up to this point. <laughs> it, it, interesting, especially the part where you go and work for someone. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, you know, that's, that to me, it was like, it, it. and what what happened to me is that I got to see what the inside is like, because I've always yeah. been on the outside selling in products, especially since the birth of digital. And I got to actually see people build moats around themselves in a company. Mm-hmm. And what I also got to see is, is that half the decisions that people made were in the best interest of the company. And the other half, we're in the best interest of themselves in terms of keeping the position and keeping the job. I yeah. always kind of knew that, but to be able to be there and see it and experience yeah. it, that made it more real for me. And it 
made me realize that when you're when you're selling into a company, you not only do you have to be aware of what the needs of the company are, you also have to be aware of what the needs of the individual are that you're dealing with. Because if it's not in their best interest, they're going to become a blocker for you more than a quarterback for you. And that's incredibly important. So I, I, I'm grateful that I was actually able to see things from the inside out for the first time. Yeah. You know, I've talked to several entrepreneurs like yourself who uh, who worked in the emerging uh, technology in the early 2000s. And you, you're basically like everybody else. You had to, you discovered the tools as you were, as you were going, right? So you, you had to learn on the fly. That, that it, it's totally true because back in those days, there was no cookbook. There was no yeah. information. I mean, it, when I started my first SEO company, there was not even Google. It was AltaVista, Go.com and Yahoo and InfoSeek. And one of them, I think it was InfoSeek, in order to get your, your website added, they didn't have like spiders that would go out. You actually had to email them. You had to submit links <laughs> really? via email. That's how crazy it was <laughs> <Yeah>. back then. <laughs> but what's fascinating today is that um, when you look at the marketplace today, having that knowledge uh, is incredibly beneficial. And, and I'm starting to realize now, especially now that you mentioned it, mm. uh, going back and reading history. And if you're part of any industry, if you can go and get books or do research or talk to someone who's been in the space for a long time to understand how did we get to where we are today, that helps broaden your perspective on things. Because my understanding of SEO is so much greater than someone who's even been in the field for five years, just because I know how we got to where we are today. And I understand the motivations behind the companies. And what ends up happening a lot of times is that companies like Google, you, you start to work with them, you start to buy ads for them. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, things are going really well. And then they're not. And it's mm -hmm. because, well, their interests are starting to go in a different direction than yours. And the digital world is all about kind of bobbing and weaving. Sometimes it's like a boxing match. You just have to, you know, just keep your feet flat on the ground and just avoid the punches, if you will. Yeah. So while we are on the topic of the digital world, what, what do you think of uh, ChatGPT? Oh, I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 at first I avoided it. And then friends of mine told me to, you know, they were calling me, telling me how they were playing with it. I, I think it's really, really unbelievable. I, I think it's going to change things. I, I don't see it eliminating jobs. What I mm -hmm. see it doing is I see it making it such that uh, people in jobs that they think it's going to eliminate, you, you're now become the person who's going to be operating. This is a new part of your toolbox that you need to learn. I, I mean, don't worry if you're not working with it right now, because it is evolving so fast that if you just ignore it for the next six months, you can pop back in six months and get yeah. up to speed so quickly as people are finding all sorts of interesting aspects with it. So uh, an example is a company that I advise has an online teleprompter. So people that do videos, professional videos, uh, some of their clients are like uh, representatives in the U.S. Congress and even the president of Panama have used them for this online teleprompter. And the, the CEO there had this great idea that, you know, people upload scripts hmm. uh, that they're going to read. And he's like, wouldn't it be really cool if they could click a button that says, you know, make this, 
you know, sound more impressive. And you could you could have certain prompts and it would automatically go out to chat GPT and rewrite it for you on the fly. Wow. Now that's really that's really a fascinating use case for that. So I think there's going to be a lot of interesting use cases in terms of of integrating and different products. But what we're going to see is a lot of new content is going to be generated. And, and for folks that have websites who don't send out as much content, overnight, your website is going to be stale because all your competitors are now going to be increasing their content output by a factor of five or 10. It's, mm. it's really amazing. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going to be in a couple of years because it's going to evolve very quickly. And we're going to see a lot of competitors as well too. Google's going to be coming out with their own uh, and it's going to touch every single industry out there, uh, but it's going to help us. That's what I honestly believe. It's it's not going to hurt us. It's definitely going to help us. Yeah, I interviewed like on episode 116, if I recall correctly, I interviewed a Web3 entrepreneur. Her name is Adrienne. She was saying exactly the same thing as you. Like this. It's not going to, you know, um, remove jobs. It's going to create new ones. It's going to help entrepreneurs in particular. Yeah, and and, and just to just to back up and 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 to go back in history, when I was in high school, hmm. I had to take what they called a, a a keyboarding or a typing class to learn how to type on an old typewriter, um, and, and and that was a skill that they taught everyone. Uh, regardless of the business you were going in, because they saw typewriters as being part of any business that you were part of, you had to learn how to how to send out notes to folks. And and yeah. and back then there was no. It, 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 and then when computers came out and we had word processors because of the typewriter, it made it easier. I believe that Chat GPT is going to be the same thing. I I think within the next year or so there'll be classes in high schools to teach students how to utilize it to help enhance them and and improve their performance and make it, it i mean technology should be making our lives easier mm. it's just there's these addictive aspects that are making it tougher and as humans we just need to learn how to get along better with the technology as it's evolving that that's really where it comes down to yeah now that you're talking about it i'm i'm 46 I think I, I learned at school how to type on a computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. My daughter did as well. She's 29, 30. So it, okay. It, but my first computer uh, was a, obviously we used to call it a Trash 80, the TRS 80. And then I had a Commodore 64 and I had the Commodore 64 in grad school. So I didn't actually have a computer, my own computer until grad school. But I did when I interned at the National Institutes of Health in 1982, I did use kind of the first internet, which was this wow. big, huge machine in an office that allowed us to talk to other labs around the, around the country. Uh, so so <laughs> I did do that back then, but it was, it was, it was a whole room dedicated yeah, yeah. to this so. is this is crazy to be part of this generation where uh, you know when we were born internet didn't exist and now see where we are in like a couple of decades. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the day where where I can just walk outside and I have listed in there that I'm going out to dinner and a and a 
driverless car will show up in my driveway and take <laughs> me to my destination without even having to hail it. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> I would love that in my lifetime. I think that would be really cool because th this stuff is supposed to make things easier. Mm. I think what's happened is, is that is it's made things easier. Uh, we keep thinking as humans, we've got to up the game. We've got to intensify. And the reality is, is that we need to step back a little bit from the technology so that we can enjoy our lives a little bit better. And that's what I see happening is that it, folks, especially other entrepreneurs, they, they're constantly pushing and they get to a point where, you know, it's, it's it, you know, in, in my business, we always talk about the point of marginal return where you're spending more dollars and you're not actually getting any additional revenue. You know, once you get to a point of this marginal return, you could spend a million dollars more and you're not going to get any more sales out of it. Mm. And entrepreneurs need to realize that we all have our that point at which if we keep pushing further, we're, we're, we're not going to get more output. So I want to go back to your um, entrepreneurship journey. And uh, when you exited C3 Metrics, why didn't you stop? You know, that's a great question. Because um, I can't imagine stopping. Yeah. You always have to make, you always have to be doing something, you know, and, and it's not about making money. It's about contributing. Mm -hmm. And it's also, so, so you want to be contributing, helping out. Uh, but it's also about, for me, it's about challenging myself. And every week I try to challenge myself to learn a new piece of technology or integrate a new tool into my workflow, because what that does is it expands your thinking. And if you expand your thinking, then the problems that you're facing in your business, all of a sudden you're going to have a different perspective on it. It's the whole idea behind also hiring, having a diversified team, because each of you will look at it from a different perspective. But when you're building a business solo in the beginning, it's just you. So yeah. the only thing you can do to expand is to, is to, test yourself and to push yourself to learn something new because it, it expands you out a little bit. So I, I didn't stop because I didn't want to, I'm having too much fun. <laughs> and when I was, uh, I was in Aruba over the holidays and I was sitting at the bar at the resort and this, this guy sat down next to me and he looked like, you know, he was in his late sixties and mm. we started chatting and having a drink. And, and then I find out that he's 83 and he still works full time. Wow. Uh, a shout out to Steve uh, from Portland, Maine. Steve, I, I Steve's my hero because uh, Steve looked sixty eight. So I, I, I honestly believe that by continuing to challenge yourself, continuing to contribute, and continuing to value your own time, uh, I think that's part of staying young. You, you always hear about people that retire. Mm -hmm. And they move to some vacation resort. And then a couple of years later, they die because yeah. they stop thinking, they stop challenging themselves. So for me, it was all about, hey, I'm having fun and there's lots of different things I can do. I want to contribute. I want to continue to have fun. Uh, and, and and I'm not done yet. I'm, yeah. I'm far from done. <laughs> I'm just getting started as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, so you mentioned, um, you know, it's part of, of staying young. You, you mentioned this guy, Steve, who looked uh, 68, uh, although he was 83. But I know a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they, they're working so hard that 
they don't stay they 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 don't stay young physically right. because they don't take care of themselves i mean what you're saying is good but i i i'm sure you still you also stay young because you you've been taking care of yourself right i mean you look like you're fit well well thank you yes <laughs> I'll, yeah. but but i wasn't always like this when i was running c3 and scaling it up I was working 24-7. My phone was never off. And for me, when I would bring on a new team member, uh, they became part of my family. I lived five minutes away from the office. Uh, all of them had my cell phone number. Mm. And I would constantly get interrupted. I'll never forget one Valentine's Day, my wife and I were out and 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 for me and my family, Valentine's Day is like a religious holiday. It's it's incredibly important. It's a whole a whole thing. So we're out, and and one of my uh, employees texts me that his dog is sick, and he's at this emergency vet, and for them to treat him, he needs five hundred dollars, and he doesn't have it. So mm. I excuse myself. I get up from my table. I call the vet and give him my credit card, mm. and that went on for years. So I had to learn and teach myself how to relax. And that's actually one of the things that I took away from the job. Because when I ran C3, uh, Friday night would roll around and I was still working all day Saturday, all day Sunday, constantly working, just like any entrepreneur. But when I took the job, Friday night would roll around, I'd shut down my computer. I had a separate work phone, I'd turn that thing off. I wouldn't look at it, I wouldn't think about work until Monday morning. And <laughs> When, and it was amazing. I was like, this is incredible. No wonder people like jobs. Like <laughs> there's no stress because it wasn't my business. I wasn't worried. Yeah. But when I left there and I decided to get back in and, and, and do this all over again, I said, I'm going to take that as a takeaway. I'm going to keep my weekends. Now, I still do check in, but I'm not obsessive like I was before. And I've also learned other things. I mean, because in order to stay healthy, it's not just about being physically active. You know, COVID and the lockdown, you know, it shut down a lot of things. But I, you know, I finally got back to where every morning at seven o'clock in the morning, I'm in a, like a group exercise class hmm. for a solid hour. So I'm doing that every day because you have to move your body every day. Because as an entrepreneur in today's world, unless you're running like a laundromat or some other type of business like construction. Most entre entrepreneurs today, you're sitting most of the day. Yeah. So you're not moving. Even if you have a standing desk, you're not moving. You're standing still. So you need to get out and move your body every day and be physically active. That's kind of the first aspect of it. The other aspect is that most entre entrepreneurs, they, they tend to try to multitask because you kind of have to. And you try to do multiple things at the same time. And what ends up happening is that you just, over time, the quality just goes down. Mm -hmm. So you have to really focus on a task at a time. And sometimes it get, get a bit overwhelming. So in my earlier days, when I was a chiropractor, I used to work in the morning from 7 to 11. Mm -hmm. And then I would shut down from, for lunch. And then I wouldn't work again until 4 o'clock and from 4 to 7. And what I used to do is I would go out with my wife, we would go have lunch, mm. we'd come back and I would like lay down like I was going to sleep and I would yeah. take about an hour, hour and a half nap and I would wake up 
And at four o'clock, it felt like a different day. So I would take this midday, uh, what I now call a power down. And so what I do is every day I schedule it in my calendar because you have to, is I schedule an hour where I'll go lay down on a couch and just zone out, not think of anything. And one of the things that helps with that is that if you get an eye mask to cover your eyes and block out the light, you'll be amazed at how quickly, even though your mind is still wandering on the task that you're thinking about, all of a sudden you'll just be like gone. So you always set an alarm, give yourself like 35, 40 minutes to zone out. And when you come back, it's like a new day. You're mm. refreshed. Mm. So you've got this movement, you've got this power down midday. And then, 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 and then the next thing that a lot of entrepreneurs don't do and don't take care of themselves with is, is the fuel you put in your body. Uh, it, it's crazy yes. because we all, we all know as people that if I were to take your car and we fill it with water instead of gasoline, it's not going to run. We wouldn't yeah. be surprised if a block later, the thing just dies on us. And yet we all know what kind of fuel needs to go in our body for it to operate properly. And, and yet we still put in tons of junk, tons of alcohol, all of these things. And what happens when we eat like crap and we drink too much? Well, we sleep horribly. Uh, yeah. So that's the other thing that happens. So the fuel that goes in our body has got to be there. And then we've got to sleep eight hours a night. I mean, I, I'm sorry if you think you can get away with four hours a night, it's going to catch up with you. Maybe you can when you're younger. But the reality is the more you sleep, uh, the more your body's refreshed, the better it can do, the more cycles you have. And if you're a real serious entrepreneur, you'll wear your Apple Watch, you'll check your HRV, your heart rate variability that measures your health. You want to see those numbers always moving along in the right direction. You want your resting heart rate. All of these nice indicators showing, hey, uh, things are doing well. Because if all of a sudden you're you're hitting it, you're hitting your groove, things are taking off, and then you your health comes in and interrupts things, well, guess what? That's going to become your number one priority. Yeah. So you have to focus on both. And what I've found is that when you do that, your journey moves along a lot better. Now, one of the important things about this journey is that very few people end up with like a multi-billion dollar exit. Mm -hmm. I know that every entrepreneur thinks this is the this is the one. This <laughs> is the one. This is going to happen. But the reality is you need to look at today and realize this may be the best it's ever going to get. So yeah. stop telling yourself, oh, when I get there, I'll take care of myself. Stop telling your, your partner, your spouse, hey, we're going to go on a trip when this thing hits big. You need to assume that today is the best it's going to get and live for today. Always think about the journey, but you need to take care of your business today. So it's all about eating well, sleeping well, taking that mid down, uh, power down and not trying to do too much at the same time. And 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 then you, your journey is going to be so much better. I mean, I, I totally concur with you. Uh, you know, like I said, at 46, I'm in the shape of my life. I take care of, you know, my sleep, my diet. I've never felt so powerful. But I hear so many entrepreneurs, and I used to be guilty of that too, telling me, well, I don't have time, you know, because I'm so focused on the business that I cannot take care of myself. And this is something that you were doing yourself, right, at, at, at C3. C3. So my right. first my first question to you is, if you had known everything that you know right now about taking care of yourself, how would that 
how would that have impacted C3? I don't think it would have been impacted C3 too much. Mm. Uh, I think the biggest impact would have been that I would have had more fun because it oh. got to the point where things weren't as fun. It was more of a hassle for me. And I, I think I would have enjoyed the journey. You know, I did enjoy the journey, but there's certain aspects of it that weren't that enjoyable for me. I, I think I would have enjoyed it better. I think also one of the important things when you feel like you don't have time uh, and you're in your, you have someone else in your life with you, the, the person that gets the short end of the stick is that, is that partner, your life partner, your wife, mm. your husband. Uh, and so that's, that's also very important because I see a lot of entrepreneurs who say they don't have time. And then when they finally get there, the person that they brought along with them, the two of them end up splitting up. So it's like, well, mm. why, why did you even go this way in the first place? Uh, so for me, I would have enjoyed it more and I would have been healthier. And when I came out of it and left and exited, I think I would have probably, it took me about a year to figure out really what I wanted to do next. And I would, I would, maybe I wouldn't have even taken the job at that point if I had healthier habits and had been taking better care of myself. I, I look at the job now as something that I needed to kind of just take a breather yeah. and sit back for a Reset. bit. Yeah. Yeah, that that's exactly what it was. But for me, when I started again, I was scared because I felt like I was starting from ground zero. Because when I exited C3 in 2019, remember I started building the business in 2008. So yeah. it had been a long time since I had started something new because the muscles you use in the beginning are completely different. That's the other part of this journey is that what you did in the beginning is completely different than what you do at the end because it's different requirements. And so for me, I was like, wow, you know, this is, it's just, it's just me. I, you mm. know, I look around and I'm like, I only have myself to rely upon to, to build the vision, build the product, and then, and then start talking it up and everything. And I'm like, can I do this? Do I really want to do this at my age? And my wife, who has been absolutely wonderful, who's allowed me to go on all sorts of different directions, said, you're not starting from zero. You've done this before. So mm. for me, she was my great coach who encouraged me because that's the other part of this journey is that you have ups and your downs. You're going to have bad days. Sometimes every day is going to be bad. But when you have a good coach, when you eat well, when you're sleeping well, those moments when you have doubts and fears, you can overcome them so much faster and so much greater. Beautiful. The coach in me is very pleased to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have a coach. You, you have to have yes. someone that that's in your corner. You know, listen, as an entrepreneur, you're always looking out for, for yourself. You need someone else who can look out for you, but have an outside perspective. Uh, and, and it's not emotional about it because we, as an entrepreneur, we always are, we're very positive about things. Mm -hmm. Like when I started building this business, my goal was to have a number of POCs because this is enterprise marketing software. It's, it's, 
This is building something big for very large clients. This you you can move as fast as you want, but the market is not going to move as, at the speed you want. So my goal was at the end of like nine months to have, you know, like five clients who were running POCs. And then I wanted to have two to three of them to convert to be paying clients at the end of that period. And, and it didn't happen. I had the five POCs, but it took another two months to convert the ones to paying because it happened at the end of the year and, you know, the holidays come around, mm -hmm. but it didn't get me down. But you see, that's being the entrepreneur. I'm always so positive when it comes to things, but it's good to have that outside perspective to kind of sometimes bring you back down because sometimes you're like a helium balloon that's going to take off to the atmosphere. You need someone holding your string down and keeping you down on the ground sometimes. It, it's <laughs> important to have energy. that perspective. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Great. What are some of the... Uh you know, key lessons that you, that you have learned as an entrepreneur? Well, it, I would say I'll reiterate number one, being healthy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'll add one little piece to that, which is taking time away from the business while it's going on. Uh, that's, that's incredibly important. Uh, the second thing is you've got to develop and enhance your story, your pitch, whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're selling. Uh, you have an idea for what it is. Every opportunity you have to talk to someone about it, tell your story over and over and over again, because every time you do, you're going to be listening to what people say and you're going to enhance it because you need to get it down to where it's very concise. Even six months ago, the story of how I described the business is completely different now because every day I'm out talking to potential customers and partners and I'm pitching them, even though I'm mm -hmm. not, but I'm pitching them to hear what they say. So your story is incredibly important. And the other thing that's incredibly important, is, especially if you're dealing with a business where people are going to find you or engage with you on the, on the web, as that story changes, you need to make certain that when I Google you or Google the company, that the story you're telling today is the same story that I read about you on your website, on your LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook. One of the things that entre entrepreneurs tend to do is they get so excited about the idea. They set up all this stuff and then they just keep moving forward and they forget about it. Yeah. And then when someone gets excited, oh, wow, I hear the story. And then they bring it into their company. Someone else does a search and then they see, wow, this person's all over the place. This, mm. this doesn't line up. Things don't feel well. So you have to make certain that the story is congruent across every place where you have visibility. So those are important things for me. The other big piece as well is that here in the U.S., in my industry, there's a big tendency for folks to raise capital with venture capitalists. Yep. And, and it's kind of like when you have a hot idea, it's like, you know, do you raise money or or are you running a lifestyle business as though a lifestyle business is a negative thing? Mm. And I'm here to tell folks that most businesses in the world, 99% are lifestyle businesses. And you can make yourself and your team and your employees and your business partners lots and lots of money with a lifestyle business. And there's no shame in it. 
And the advantage you have as a lifestyle business is that you get to decide the trajectory and the timing of the business. When you take in outside capital, you're now moving uh, based upon their rules. Mm. And I have seen far too many times folks take in capital, build up a company, and it's going great. They raise more capital. It's going really well. And then they have a bad quarter. They don't hit projections. And then the founder, the entrepreneur is, is fired. I've seen it time and time again. And, and it's because they're not running the show anymore when you take yeah. in outside capital. So you have to think long and hard. Do you want that? Because as soon as you take on money, you're, you're, you're still the visionary, but now your full-time job is focused on board meetings and raising more money. Yeah. Some folks, they love doing that. But if you want to actually do stuff, lifestyle businesses are fantastic. So I, <laughs> that's the direction that I would recommend going. And, oh, oh, and by the way, lifestyle businesses, they get bought every day. So if you ever want to exit or sell, mm. you can definitely do that. Uh, you, you know, so you're not going to be a unicorn. Very few people are. So it's important to focus on what's at the end of the day, what's best for you and what's best for your family. Hey, if you're 22 and you want to go that route, go right ahead, do it. But when you have a family and, and you want to focus on your health at the same time, you know, lifestyle businesses, nothing wrong with that at all. I, I applaud you. Yeah, I agree. I think I read somewhere that you have a chance. What was it? Like three out of five million or something like that to become a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, but the, you have to understand what the risks are, what yeah. the risks are to you health-wise and what the risks are to you at if things don't go the way that you think they will. Uh, but I... I've known a bunch of folks that have built unicorns and, and you never know. I mean, some of them have come to me with their business ideas and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's never going to work. That's, <laughs> that's illegal. Uh, there was one that came to me and it was illegal. And I'm like, yeah, you're never ever going to be able to do that. And they grew it so fast that the laws changed as a result of it. And I was like, well, you see, what do I know? I, and that's, but you see, that shows as well that if you feel deep down inside that your idea is good and right, then don't listen to anyone. Just just move forward because it's got to be right for you. And 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 if you believe in it, just just keep pushing. Because like like I said in the example I just gave, the laws changed as a result of this company growing so quickly. Yeah, if you believe in it, just keep on pushing. Would would that be the one recommendation you would give? Like if you had, to, if you had to pick up one, absolutely is is always just keep moving, uh, but remember it's a boxing match, so you're gonna have mm. to bob and weave, and you got to move around, uh, and there's there's going to be hits coming from all different directions, so keep your eyes aware, uh, but as long as you're moving, uh, it, it, and it's kind of like as an entrepreneur, uh, we're sharks, if we stop moving, we die. So mm. sharks have to keep moving in order for them to breathe. The water has to keep going through. So keep moving and you'll stay alive. Amazing. We're going to conclude on, on these words. Last question for you. How can people contact you? Oh, they can contact me. They can go to Provalytics. It's uh, 
P-R-O-V-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S.com. Go there and uh, contact me. You can also go to my personal website, jeffgreenfield.com. Uh, check that out. Uh, I, I always love talking to other entrepreneurs. Uh, it's, it's always exciting to learn about other people's journey as well. Thank you very much, Jeff, for your time today. Oh, my pleasure, Lauren. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you want to know more about entrepreneurship, why don't you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss any episode? I'll see you next time. Bye for now.